0: Hello and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm
1: your host Keeper Blakesley, and boy, do we have a show for you today! We have—we're going to be talking about many films. We're going to be talking about Fantastic Four, Vicky and the Flash, Mission Impossible, Shaun the Sheep, and we're going to have a debate on comic book films right now. I am here with James Achilles, and talking about the new Kids World app. How are you doing, James?
2: I'm great, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Fantastic. Well, we're happy to have you on the show. I love. Kids World website—it's a great outlet for children's media. So, before we talk about the Kids World app, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you incorporate with Kids World.
2: Uh, a bit about myself—I've um, been working for Kids World since about 2006. Um, first started on doing some advertising and media, and I had moved from a couple of different roles throughout the time. I'm now currently the vice president of Kids World and um, work on some of the development, making more site improvements for the users and just all around making the site the best it can be for all our great members.
1: And what do you think Kids World separates from different like, children's media outlets?
2: Uh, the biggest thing that separates us is we're sort of an online portal for kids and teens. Uh, we provide a safe environment where kids can engage in content, forums, chat rooms, profiles, all in a very safe, secure, moderated area so they can be safe and know that when they're posting online and chatting with their friends that they're in a bully-free zone, there's no swearing. Yes. And you know, just they feel secure because there's not a lot of outlets like that anymore.
1: Yes, it's sad but true, and that's what's great about Kids World safe outlet place where you can check out some great chat rooms and also movie reviews, and they talk about different celebs and all that stuff. It's fun. So tell us a little bit about this new Kids World app. Is it pretty much Kids World's website, only on the go?
2: Yeah, so Kids World as, um, as a whole launched in 2001. It was an online magazine, and then in 2007, we launched the social network aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then as things progressed, um, you know, mobile users have grown a ton. Um, we launched our mobile site about a year and a half ago. And then oh, wow. we noticed so more and more of our members are you know on their iPod touches, their iPads, their iPhones. So we thought an app would be a great way to engage them more, providing them with notifications for things like comments, private messaging, new friend requests, and just allowing them to always stay logged in and just quick access to all their user profile information. And while still able to engage with you know the movie reviews, the game reviews, and still posting the forums.
1: Yes. And speaking of movies, thank you very much for carrying out all of our Kids First reviews. That's We really appreciate that very much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we have like probably about 50 of them on there right now in our video section.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So thank you very much for that. So marketing standpoint, I mean, I know it's like more the background stuff and not many kids know about. So can you tell us about the struggles of marketing? Because it is a very important part of creating media out there, putting media out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. For Kids World, you know, we are from Vancouver. So um, we 're still trying to get out, and you know most of our users are actually in the u s but I guess we have around probably users from around 200 countries right now, but, you know, 70% of them are in the U.S., so, you know, we're still trying to get all the members out there, get them to meet new friends, but the big struggle we have is, as a safe safe social network, you can't share your personal information, so it's always tough to invite your real-world friends to there and find them.
1: Yes, and for someone who's been doing this for quite a while now, what do you think is the most important part of providing children um, positive outlets, um, especially in today's um, social media and entertainment
2: world? I think that's super important because, you know, as you look around now, what a lot of younger audiences are being projected to, it's not some of the most positive things. So we try and really provide, you know, like in, like the fresh current media, but in a way that all ages can look at. Because we could have a user, say, as young as nine on the site, so you still have to appeal to the 17-year-old, but still making it, you know, very friendly for all audiences, no matter the age.
1: Totally agree. And this Kids World app, getting a little more technical... Is it available for all forms, like Androids, um, Apple phones?
2: So, currently, right now, it's available in the iOS App Store. So, that would be for your iPhone, iPod Touch. And it's available for the iPad at the end of this week. There's an update going out that includes iPad. And for the Android devices, we have that currently in the works right now. And we're hoping that to, that to be live by about August 24th.
1: Okay. Sounds fantastic. So, I know we'll be looking for August
2: 24th. Yeah. Well, are you on an Android device?
1: Yes, I am. I am an actual Android, and I can't wait to check it out. Cause that's all I have is Android.
2: Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, it's there for you.
1: Fantastic. Do you mention that there's, you're going to be taking out, putting out some more stuff? Is there anything else that we should be looking for with Kids World?
2: Um, I think right now, big, big push right an now. Android, Apple devices, and the apps. But we're starting to ramp up our game section right now. Okay. There are games. that are really me working on some new content and some game reviews and videos coming up quite soon.
1: Well, fantastic! Can't wait to go check this out. And I, your website is funny. I mean, you got games. You you promote cool reviews and even some um, environmental stuff as well. And it's just a great place to hang out, and have fun.
2: Yeah, it's nice. The uh, school stuff section is actually one where you have all the environmental stuff, homework health. So we still try to cover you know the entertainment and games. is still you know the important thing, but. The advice school sections are very, very sort of fun stuff where you can find homework help and you know, stuff for science projects or art or things like that
1: totally agree and it's that's what makes this website amazing thank you so much james for talking about kids worlds app it's been a pleasure
2: perfect yeah it's nice to talk to you as well
1: you're listening to kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper Blakesley, and today we just got done talking with james achilles about kids world app we're going to be talking about mission impossible rogue nation sean the sheep ricky and the flash and also a debate on comic books right now i'm talking about michelle about the new reimagining of fantastic four with michelle thanks for being on the show michelle Hello,
3: thank you for having me.
1: It's always a pleasure. So, what did you think about this new Fantastic Four film?
3: Oh my god, I, I was so disappointed leaving that theater. I was just really sad that it just wasn't made well.
1: I'm usually the defender of Marvel films, and oh, if Willie is listening to this, I am going to get panned by Willie and he's going to tell me I told you so. But I agree with you. I, As a Marvel <laughs> fan, I mean, it it had a good start. It had a good start, Do you, yeah, with Miles Teller and everyone, they had a great start, but it just didn't fulfill the the justice and everything of Mar- of Marvel's um, Fantastic Four. But but what if, what to you made it disappointing?
3: I feel like like compared to the last Fantastic Four. Well, for starters, I don't even know why they would have to make a reboot of such a great movie already. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just feel like the acting and everything was just so dull and. It just wasn't like everything was just really boring. There was only like three settings and all all those settings were like like all the good ones they spent one minute in and like all the boring ones it was like sixty.
1: <laughs> I agree. I mean it felt like a forty minute trailer for a film that really didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, right when it started getting interesting, it just kind of pressed fast forward and no, I mean, it was it, it had a good start. I mean I I mean, I liked the first half, but by the time the second half and they got their powers, it just felt like we're not going to show the most interesting part of it. But what did yeah, you think about funny. at least the special effects in here? I mean, at least that was upgraded.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like the special effects, Marvel always does a great job when it comes to graphics and all of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. That was like the best part of the movie.
1: Yeah, and I, I did like the stretching powers from Mr. Fantastic and the design of yeah. um, Thing... But uh, what about the, I mean, I know the actors weren't entirely utilized, but for what they were in the beginning, what did you think about their acting there?
3: Well, it's really hard considering that Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan are are these people. They're not really, they don't really look like superhero characters. they true. Trust me, they're good actors for everything else. But when it comes to becoming a superhero, to me, they look too, I don't know, they look so ordinary to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you look at a superhero, you see there's something different about them. You see a spark in their personality or they have like this awesome thing, a trait. And to them, they just look like normal teenagers.
1: Yeah, and I do see that, and I, I understand why they tried to reboot it, because, again, Chris Evans was in the original Fantastic Four, and I don't yeah. think they could have used him, because then it would be a paradox in the Marvel Universe. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I can't agree with you more. I, it's, it just felt like that they had great actors, they had an interesting setting, but the darker direction they went with it kind of killed the comic book atmosphere of it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I have to ask, are you a Marvel fan?
3: Yeah, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Like, like if, if I were to go to every premiere of a Marvel movie, I totally would. Like, I'd be first in line.
1: So, <laughs> do you understand the kind of frustration of these Yes, characters? oh my god.
3: Like, I am just so, like, like I left that theater. I was just so mad. And I was so disappointed because it's Marvel. Like, my favorite. Oh, like, oh, I don't know. I was just so many emotions.
1: <laughs> but the, the light at the end of the tunnel is this. 20th Century Fox, who created this film, did make a good Fantastic Four film, which was in 2005. So yes. <laughs> that is the light at the end of the tunnel. So at least they yes. made one. They made a good one. Right. But do you see maybe a future for these characters, maybe being other Marvel films?
3: Honestly, not at all. I feel like none of them really portrayed their characters well. Like Even Doctor Doom, if, if you didn't know this already, Doctor Doom is one of the most genius of villains Mm -hmm. everywhere like he's he is a pure genius and he know he is and he's smart and he's he's very like he's very confident too and i feel like his character especially could have been made so much better and could have been portrayed so much better than how it was in the film he looked really lame and and weak to me and like he had like like you know how in marvel movies they always have these awesome quotes from these villains yes well in this one, there was nothing. Like, literally nothing.
1: And that's sad. But do you know what the icing on top of the cake is? There was what? no Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. <laughs> None. We <laughs> were looking crazy. for it. So, even Stan Lee, I'm sorry. Can I ask you how many stars you would get this film?
3: Yes. Two out of five stars.
1: And I think we pretty much gave us our explanation Why? Um, yes. So <laughs> thank you, Michelle, for this wonderful discussion, and hopefully, we see new more of a film soon.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Always a pleasure. This film is in theaters now, so if you want to go check it out for yourself, please do. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions.
0: Kids Safe, Mother Approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
4: You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial
0: coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
5: Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. We just talked to James Ackles, who's the VP of Kids World and creator of the Kids World app, and also the movie Fantastic Four. But right now we're going to talk to Lainey and Morgan about Breaking the Flash. How are you guys doing?
6: Hi, I am wonderful. Hi, I'm doing great.
5: So Lainey is 13 years old and lives in Colorado and Morgan is 10 years old and lives in Los Angeles. Lainey, overall, how did you like the film?
7: Overall, I thought the film was really great and I really enjoyed the cast.
5: All right. And can you tell us the story, please?
7: Ricky and the Flash is about, well, of course, Ricky played by Meryl Streep who walked out on her husband and her three children to pursue her lifelong dream of becoming a rock star. When she returns home, she has to rekindle You know, her relationship with her kids to make things right.
5: It's a very unique story. Morgan, how did you enjoy the story?
7: I actually thought the story was a a very
6: intriguing story. And a lot of people are talking about you can accomplish anything as long as you put your heart and mind into it. But they never really talk about sacrifices or what it takes and the hard work. And this shows what hard work it takes. And what she had to give up. And she had to pay the most price, which was her family and her
5: children. You know, I definitely agree. And I thought when I first saw the story that it was fantastic. I thought it was a very unique story. Lainey, this film is definitely a comedy at heart. How did you enjoy the comedy?
7: I enjoyed the comedy. Well, the music was definitely... Great. Uh, oh my gosh, and the comedy definitely was really funny. There were some parts of the movie that just made me laugh so hard.
5: Yeah, from the trailer, it looks completely hilarious. And Morgan, can you tell us about the directing? Is it good, bad, okay? The directing was simply amazing.
6: And plus, Meryl Streep did not know how to play a guitar before this role. And she spent 45 minutes with Neil Young taking lessons. And that is simply amazing that she can be able to nail it like that. And Rick Springfield taught her how to talk like a rock star and how to be one. And that was really funny. She did a fantastic job of doing that. And the cast and the crew and the director
5: all did astonishing. And I want to say kudos to all of them. It definitely, it is definitely a fantastic cast. And the director, by the way, is Jonathan Deems. So, Lainey, how's the cinematography?
7: I thought that the cinematography went pretty smoothly, and I thought that he did an amazing job throughout the whole movie.
5: And Morgan, what do you think of the music, like, overall? I know Lainey said she liked it, both. what do you think?
6: This music was definitely something that everybody could relate to. And the bar scene, they took an old, worn-out building, threw in some bar stools and chairs, and got some Shirley Temples and kept them going, and threw in a stage, the greatest band ever, Meryl Street playing Ricky, She seemed like she was really herself. She was just having fun, just interacting and singing and just having a great time, which made me happy. And they just made me so happy that I felt like I was literally there drinking Shirley Temples and dancing along and
5: singing with them. That does sound pretty awesome. And Lainey, how many stars would you give this film and why?
7: I'd give this film a four out of five stars because overall it was, you know, a really fun movie to watch and I really enjoyed it.
5: That's good. It definitely sounds like a fantastic movie. Morgan, what is your age rating?
7: My age rating
6: is 10 and up because there are many bar scenes and there are many mature topics in this. And young ones might not like it because it is
5: kind of a dramedy, a drama and a comedy.
6: And and that's part of the reason of why I gave this movie four and a half rocking stars.
5: Well, it does sound like a fantastic movie. Thank you guys so much for talking to me about Breaking the Flash. Thank you for talking with us. Of course. Thanks. If you'd like to see Breaking the Flash, it is now in theaters. You're listening to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orris, and today we will talk about... Sean the Sheep will have a debate with comic books, our comic books art, and we're also going to talk about the film's Mission Possible. But right now, we're going to talk to Samantha about Ricky and the Flash. So, Samantha, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing good. How are you?
5: I am doing fantastic. So, Samantha, what did you think of the story?
4: I thought the storyline was very unique, as as you guys all said. I thought it was kind of a twist on a very serious situation because it, it was about, like, the mom leaving her children, and that's a very ser- serious, heavy topic, and I thought, like, the comedy in there kind of, like, twisted it. So I thought it was a very unique story with, like, a serious topic and like a light comedy
5: effect to it so you think this was more drama than a comedy almost yes and how what is your opinion on the cast because we all know Meryl Streep did fantastic because she's Meryl Streep but how did the others do and how's the directing
4: I was actually hoping you asked me about the other actors because of course Meryl Streep did great I mean she's good in any role she's put in but Meryl Streep's on-screen daughter um her name is Julia in the film but off-screen, her real name is Mamie Gummer. Um, she did great. She paid. She played a very serious role. She played the role of a um, daughter whose husband left her to another woman. And I think she did good. I mean, her character had a lot of mood swings. Her character was on like heavy medication. Her character was also very depressed. And I think she did good for that role. And you could kind of see her character progress throughout the.
5: You know, when I saw her in the trailer, I'm like, wow, she is doing a pretty amazing job as acting. And also, do you think that people have to like drama to like this film? Or do you think they could like comedy and drama or something else? Well,
4: I think they could also like comedy because I'm not really a big drama person. I mean, I love comedies, but I think that it has a good blend of both. So, so for me, I think anybody could like this film, even if you don't like drama or comedy. I mean, it has Meryl Streep in it, so, like, who doesn't love Meryl Streep? But it also has music in it. If you're a big music lover, you might love this film. So, yeah, I think most, like, everybody should love this film.
5: That's definitely good. Do you think that you agree with Blaney and Morgan, who said pretty much overall this film is fantastic, or do you disagree?
4: Well, I think this film was very good. It was unique. It was funny. It was a good blend of a bunch of different topics. But I think that thing that didn't go so well for me in the movie was that I felt like it moved a little bit too fast. Like the story was great, but I felt like things were moving a little bit too fast.
5: So out of all the scenes in the film, what do you think is your favorite?
4: Well, since there are a lot of great scenes in the film, I would have to pick the opening scene because it was a surprise to see Meryl Streep singing and that kind of and that kind of got me ready for the whole film and I think it was just one of her best moments in the film because she was singing a great song and that's when like everybody got introduced and I just love that film so I just love that scene so much because it got me ready for the whole film.
5: That does sound like a fantastic scene. How many stars do you give this film?
4: I would have to give it four out of five
5: stars. And why is that?
4: Well, because it moved a little bit too fast, in my opinion. I feel like there were some things missing from the storyline. And I just felt like if it wasn't for that, I would have given it five stars. But because of that, I'm giving it four out of five stars.
5: All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about Ricky and The Flash.
4: You are very welcome.
5: Again, if you'd like to see this film, it is now in theaters. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids.
4: we don't care how you got here we're just glad you showed up you're listening
0: to voice america kids to become a kids first film critic enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall we are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies love talking about movies and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. Express yourself.
7: Sometimes
6: we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening
0: to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey,
5: welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. We just talked about the new movie, Ricky and the Flash, Fantastic Four, and also we talked to James Achilles, James Achilles who is the VP of Kids World Company and creator of the Kids World app. All right, now we're going to talk to Kiefer about the new Mission Impossible movie, Rogue Yeah. Yes. So, Kiefer, how did you enjoy the film overall? Uh, I thoroughly
1: enjoyed this film. This is my first Mission Impossible film, by the way. And I was thinking it was going to be like a kind of a... I was going to say it's a popcorn film, and it was just going to be explosions, kind of a... I was going to compare it to Michael Bay, and I know that was low for me to do. But, no, I mean, this film was way better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, the story's great. I love the characters. The characters are pretty much your tour was it's, it's just a very thoroughly entertaining film, because Mission Impossible does have a huge fan basis, and... The fans love – when I was watching this in the movie theater, I loved the fans' reactions to the music, which is this iconic music. And right when the title, title came up, you knew what you were going to be in for because it was just an adrenaline rush. It was amazing.
5: Yeah, and you know, if you know what an action film is, you know what a Mission Impossible is. It is like the core action film for every other action film in the world. So. Yep. In every action film, there is one main thing that everybody loves, and that's the stunts. Now, this is the fifth Mission Impossible, so are the stunts still creative? Or are they still new? Incredibly creative.
1: Uh, Tom Cruise is known for his authenticity with stunts. And I'm just going to be—okay, I, I don't believe everything I hear on the internet, but I tried. I, looked, I researched this, and every, every source tells me it's true. Tom Cruise is um, on, this, on the part where he's hanging out of a plane. That's really him. That's no CGI, that's him. Of course those safety precautions, strings and, and um a harness, of course. We wanna keep this multi million dollar actor um alive. But no, that's that's entirely him. That was a real stunt right there. And and that pretty much sums up the whole film because everything in this film looks very real. And it's real stunts. And uh, you you talk about committed actors. This Tom Cruise is a committed actor. (laughs) He's amazing.
5: Yeah, I remember reading that. I'm like, wait, no, that's not possible. He did not do that. I mean, I know he's insane, but he's not that crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And also, there's usually Mission Impossible. There's either drama or comedy. Is there any of that in this film?
1: Both. There was quite a bit of drama. The comedy is hilarious. Uh, Simon Pegg is a very good comedian. I do enjoy his comedy. He's a very... I like Simon Pegg's character. He's a very sincere friend. But he's a very... Hilarious! He's 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 a comedy relief, pretty much. And it's fun when you see these actors because in real life these actors pretty buddy buddy. They um the connection between the actors are amazing. I love the comedy, and especially since the films Mission Impossible, you have impossible scenarios and stunts that you know won't happen. But the chemistry between the characters kind of distracts you, like a magician. They misdirection. They, with the connection with the characters, they distract you from the smoke and mirrors that are happening behind you. So there is a very wonderful connection with the characters.
5: So even kind of the relationship with the characters could be very surprising and unexpected.
1: Yes, definitely. There is a relationship between uh, Tom Cruise's character, Ethan Hunt, and, uh, another, and oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on her name. Uh, she plays Ilsa and she is a rogue agent and she doesn't know if they can trust each other and there's this ongoing uh, relationship and i like that it's not just a a forced romance there is, they don't share they never share a kiss i'm just going to say that right now it's not a it's not a forced romance and i like that i like that they don't have just because you have a woman protagonist doesn't automatically mean he has to hook up with the main character the main hero and that's
5: that's rare in films and i'm glad that they didn't do that and by the way the character's name the actress's name is rebecca ferguson so my next question is this is the fifth in the series of Mission Impossible, do you think the series is getting old at all?
1: Well, the first one was in 1995, I think. Uh, I don't think it's... I think it's just getting better and adapting well. The way they ended it, I think that's the end of the Mission Impossible series. And if they ended it with this, I would be happy. I would be happy. And if I see more, unless they go a different direction with it, maybe they go, instead of getting Tom Cruise, they get someone else to continue the IMF franchise. I wouldn't mind... But, no, I think, I think they pretty much ended it here, and I'm okay with that. So I don't think it's getting entirely old, it's, but it's adapting pretty well with its action.
5: Well, you know, it's kind of upsetting, but it's also kind of happy, because while it does end, and some fans will probably be sad about it, it is kind of happy to see it end nice instead of some films that try to stretch it out and continue out and try to make every buck out of the movie when it's not doing so well.
1: If it's not broke, don't fix it.
5: That's a good saying. Pretty much. Very quickly, how many stars do you give this film? I give it 5 out of 5 stars for the reasons I've just listed. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about Mission Impossible, Kiefer. It definitely sounds like a fantastic film. If you'd like to see Mission Impossible, it is now in theaters. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orrers, and today we will talk about Shaun the Sheep and also have a debate about whether comic books are art or not. And that right now I'm gonna pass it over to Kiefer. Here you go, Kiefer. Thank you very much,
1: Jerry. Right now I am talking to Willie about the Sean the Sheep film. Thank you for having me on the show, Willie.
8: Hi. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much. So this film, and Sean, the Sheep, is based off a uh, claymation short that I used to, that. I don't know about you but I personally watched when I was a child. So what did you think about this film?
8: Well, I am a huge fan of Ardman and Shaun of the Sheep is no different than, you know, Wallace and Gromit. Yes. It's very fun, it's very entertaining, it's witty, it's it's clever, it's uh, it's everything I look for in a, in a movie.
1: And I think claymation and stop-motion animation is a very dying art, and I'm happy to see them return, especially Leica. That that production company does a great job with stop-motion effects. So what do you think about the stop-motion? Do you think it's a dying art, and you feel like they should be bringing this art back?
8: Well, I love claymation, but uh, claymation, like any other type of um, independent uh, filmmaking technique, it's not mainstream, you know. People yeah. are so used to seeing, like, Pixar and Disney and the, you know, regular types of animation that like Claymation looks too weird for them. So it's definitely something for the indie market, but I love it. It gives it this unique, um, you know, imaginative look that, that only Claymation can get. I totally agree with you.
1: Now, what about the, you talked about the weedy writing. Since most, the char- main characters are silent, this, is, this dates back to the silent era. What did you think about that?
8: A picture's worth a thousand words, and the same can be said for motion pictures. Um, the way, the way Arden makes their films, they use sounds. They, you know, they don't use talking, but they use sounds to create comedy in these situations, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's not suitable you know, for, the, for the little ones who are a bit impatient, but um, for the older ones who can get it, I think they're going to love it.
1: What do you feel like that the, that the kids can get used to the silent, the silent kind of witty comedy that goes on?
8: As they get older, but in this day and age where, you know, where dialogue is almost a necessity. You know, if you're going to watch a movie where a TV shows is dialogue heavy, I just don't think the younger ones are really going to enjoy it. The ones in my theater, they laughed occasionally, but they were really kind of out of tune with it because there wasn't any talking. You know, and they had to follow the story with just their eyes instead of their eyes and their ears.
1: Understood. Now, this film, since this film is based off a short, how do you think the story kind of adapted to an hour and a half film?
8: Oh, the story—it um—it flew by for me. Uh, it it went by very quickly. It's not a you know it's not an original out there story. It's a story we all know and love. But um, you know, like Ebert said, it's not it's not where you're going. It's the journey there, and the journey there is is top notch entertainment from Arden once again.
1: Quoting Ebert, I love it. I am a huge <laughs> fan of Roger Ebert. He's a very uh, inspirational film critic towards me. Yes, he is. Very good film critic, and so talking about the the general medium of animation what do you say about the future of like animation um with claymation CGI do you feel like that what would you prefer claymation or CGI
8: wow i've <laughs> i've never really i've never really thought about it i i like both i prefer claymation it's, um, it's more imaginative for me. But CGI, uh, CGI can be so beautiful. When I think of CGI animation, I think of that one shot of Beauty and the Beast mm. before they sing Tales all this time, where they do the pan to the chandelier, then they go down. Uh, that's, that's the beauty of CGI, and I love that. But Claymation is just so, it's so quirky and offbeat. I, I really like Claymation.
1: Me too, I think. And it's, it's rare to see them in film, but once we do see them, it's like getting an unexpected present um, a few days
8: before your birthday. It's just like, wow, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting this. It's something different, and I love it.
1: Totally agree. Now, how many, so you were talking about the age range for this film, what would you say the age range would be?
8: I would say from 12 to 18, definitely. I just, maybe 10. I just don't think anyone under 10 is really going to have the patience to sit through this.
1: Understood. And I, that's, I will say it's a little bit disappointing because I feel like, I would wish that younger kids would be able to, um, see silent films and be able to, um, comprehend them more i feel like kids are smaller than that i feel like kids can handle the uh the silence and be able to understand and adapt to it but i understand where you're coming from that mm-hmm. the jokes may not be under- they may not understand the jokes because well then i used to silent i used to dialogue and talk 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 exposition so i, I understand what you're coming from
8: yeah physical comedy just really doesn't um, work too well on film anymore chaplin was able to do it yes. uh, buster keaton was able to do it but now it's it's uh, it's dialogue heavy comedy and I still think the physical comedy would go well with the younger ages.
1: I can't agree with you more. But the next statement, I don't think we're going to agree anymore. But <laughs> I'm glad to agree right now. Uh, slapstick comedy is a dying art, and I feel like if slapstick comedy is done right, it could it could be funny. And uh, that's
8: hilarious! Look, Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, king of slapstick, right there
1: physical comedy I totally agree with you I'm a Jim Carrey fan as well so I'm glad we were able to agree for this segment <laughs> thank you very much really for talking about Shawn the Sheep I gotta go check out the film it's been a pleasure
8: oh thank you I love it as always you're great
1: thank you you too let's take a break I'm your host Kiva Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Comic Attractions
0: We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year, or join our national campaign this fall. www.kidsfirst.org think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics just visit kidsfirst.org for more information hurry our Kids First film critics boot camps are filling up fast join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see at Kids First we believe that smart kids make smart consumers what does indie mean it's short for independent what does that
3: mean Whatever you want it to mean. When you are indie, you don't just go with the flow. You set the pace. Indie can mean a style of music, dress, or just a way of life. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Everybody has a little bit of indie in them. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's you. Tune in to Indie on Voice America Kids. Live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you don't feel indie yet,
0: make it a part of you. Are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
1: Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Shaun the Sheep, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Ricky and the Flash, Fantastic Four, and James Achilles about the Kids World new app. Now, right now, we're going to have the debate of the century with between me and Willie Jones about whether or not comic book films are art. Now, here's a couple of rules. First of all, there are many different types of art. There are many people who look at art in different ways. So, we kind of narrowed it down to as art as something that transcends through time in cinema. Transcends meaning it goes above and beyond the limits and all that. So, I'm going to be starting out my opening statement on whether or not comic book films are art. First of all, let me drink from my Marvel mug. <laughs> ah, there we go. All right. But now, first of all, I think as I'm not going to say that films like Avengers of Ultron live up to the standards of Citizen Kane. I love Citizen Kane. I'm, I'm an, I am have a nostalgic film bone in me. I love watching classic films. But what I will say is this. I love comic book films, and I, I know they transcend through time because... What they do is they take these nostalgic and iconic comic book characters and they give them a human side. They're superhuman, but they're still human in that world. Uh, In Iron Man, I think it's – I love Iron Man because we have Robert Downey Jr. and we have this character who has done some – who didn't know what he was doing was wrong. He's creating weapons of mass destruction and finally he decides to get the gumption to fix it. And he has a weaponized, and I understand that sometimes um, com, uh, that comic films can be just seen as just mindless action, but I don't believe that. I believe that they are quality entertainment and quality art because they've created this universe. Film is supposed to bring you into a universe and an unknown world, and that's what the Marvel Universe has done in film. We have films like, we, we have developed our characters in separate films like Iron Man, Captain America, and we, create, we flesh out these characters, and then we make films like Avengers, where we know these characters. We know them, and we're, just, and we're able just to put them in a situation, and the story writes itself, and that's the three-dimensional characters. And Marvel Company is still expanding this universe. Ant-Man is the, one of the first examples of this universe being um, intertwining with different universes. Ant-Man and the Avengers. And we have a whole interaction between Falcon and Amen. I man. So I believe they go above and beyond the limits in that way.
8: Really? Great, great opening. I agree that films are supposed to bring you into their world. When film first started, when Edison was making those twenty-second shorts, he he saw the commerciality in film, and yes, they were entertainment. But through the times, through through the twenties and thirties, film started to become art. Art is something that that doesn't just transcend its own medium, it's something that transcends time, it's something unique and that stands out. There's a reason people can still watch Casablanca over 60 years from now. There's a reason City Lights and Birth of a Nation and His Girl Friday are still relevant today because, that's, because those are artful. Iron Man, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, yes, they're very entertaining and yes, they are their own separate entity and their own universe that has less to do with their cinematic uniqueness than it does with their commercial you know their commerciality their their play towards the masses things like the tree of life for example the tree of life by no means you know was a success here domestically because it was too out there there's too much thinking involved with the tree of life it's it's something that represents us internally makes us think makes us feel it's emotional whereas something like ant-man who outdid The Tree of Life in one weekend than The Tree of Life did in its entire run is just simply something you go to see on a Friday night after a long week at work. And we need those. We need those in cinema because they relieve us from all the heavy things. But at the end of the day, if if our civilization were to fall, what would you have the next civilization you know, watch that represents us? What do you want to represent us, Ant-Man or The Tree of Life? I would pick The Tree of Life 10 times out of 10 you know, every day of the week, twice on Sunday, simply because it says so much more. That's so much more relevant to the changing of our society and to the changing of who we are as humans. And film can do that. And that's why that's why I don't think Marvel movies are art, because they don't do that. They don't change things. They entertain simply just to entertain.
1: I agree with you to an extent. I, Tree of Life... And films like those, I understand that we have films to make us think, and I agree. I don't. The general masses aren't. Sometimes they can't comprehend these films. Like Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, a very wonderful director, has created films like 2001: Space Odyssey and Clockwork Orange that, for then, could they couldn't handle. They couldn't comprehend that this was on cinema. And now, thank goodness, they have got a general media and actually a bigger following. But I don't feel like comic book films are the entirely thing to blame. I feel like there are many comic films. Um, there are many comedy, sorry, comedy films that I don't feel like are good, like parodies. I don't feel like parodies are good as what they used to, but it's not about parodies, it's about comic books. Look back to when you were a kid. What do you imagine, what, what do you imagine when you were a kid? You imagine yourself being a superhero. I mean, I remember I wanted to become a superhero. And whether you're a hero to strangers, to your family, maybe you yeah, had superpowers, maybe you were a doctor, a fireman, whatever. You want to be a hero. You want to be something you want, and I feel like comic book films bring you back to that time when you were a kid and you had this imagination and you took out the, I know a friend of mine who had a cereal box and he would cut out the characters and he would play with these characters and watching comic book films reminded him of how he used to play with these characters, these cardboard cutout characters, which now, nowadays these aren't, these characters aren't cardboard cutouts they three-dimensional characters with wonderful actors and fleshed out three, three-dimensional characters. These characters have been brought to life. And what I mean when they transcend through time, if they don't do a good job with this, the fans would not like it because they don't do justice to their favorite characters. And that's why people love these films because they do do justice to their favorite comic book characters. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and we'll just talk about the films Wiki and the Flash, Mission Impossible, Shaun the Sheep, and Fantastic Four, and talking about James Achilles about the Kids World app. Right now, I'm continuing my debate with, Willie really, about comic book films, and I just got done with my, with my statement. Really? Leave it your turn.
8: Okay. Listen, I know that most of the world, most people who watch movies are moviegoers. They're not aficionados, they don't really care for terms like cinematography or you know, or a tracking shot or things like that. And then you have the movie buffs. You have the likes of you and I, you have, you know, the Eberts of the world, other filmmakers. The moviegoers perceive films like uh, The Savages or Cloud Atlas as boring and, and pretentious and overcomplicated and snobby. And they think that movie buffs consider you know, the Mission Impossibles of the World as, you know, stupid entertainment. And it's simply not true. The way I view them is this. Mission Impossible five is the fifth Mission Impossible. There have already been four of the same thing. How much of how much of that formula can we get? I mean what where is the art? Where is the art in, you know, the same exact story over and over again? Where is the art in predictability and cliche and triteness? And no matter how much of your mind has been escaped for, for two hours, the fact of the matter is you come out of that movie numb. You come out of it numb because you've seen the same movie before and you're going to see the same movie again next summer. It's all recycled. That's all Hollywood is. Whereas the artful film, the artful films, independent films, the films by you know Paul Thomas Anderson, J.C. Chandor, Alexander Payne, those are films that last. Those are films that are unique that you remember. And 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, those are the films you're going to come back to in sight as the greatest. There Will Be Blood is one of the greatest (laughs) movies of all time and of this century. That's going to be remembered. 50 years from now mission impossible 3 came out the same exact year grows more 30 years from now no one's going to remember it no one remembers mission impossible 3 now you know why because there have been two more since two more of the same story the same plot the same formula the same everything art has to be unique it cannot simply just be a story it cannot simply stimulate your imagination it has to be unique superhero films are great i love them they, they provide, you know, great nostalgia, childhood memories. But the fact of the matter is there's going to be one in six months from now. There really is. And there's going to be one years from now and two years from now and three years from now. And they're all going to be the same. You know, what, you're, you know what's going to happen. And, I mean, it's just two hours of, gosh, I'm off of work tonight. Want to go see a movie? No, I don't want to think. Let's see this. It's not going to last. They just don't.
1: I do understand your frustration with general, me- general audiences and not going for, like, intellectual films. And I don't look at my—I look at myself as a combination between movie buffs and moviegoers. I like the old-fashioned films. I love watching old-fashioned films. Abbott and Costello, I have a whole cassette tape of Abbott and Costello films that I love watching over and over again. But when you talk about formulas, when you really get down to it, every— Every story has been told. I mean, if we really go to the bare minimum of some stories. Some, Sometimes it's good versus evil. Sometimes it's just fish-out-of-water stories. But what mm-hmm. makes art interesting and what makes film still alive is the execution of these stories. These stories are executed in different ways. I believe that Age of Ultron, yes, you can say that it's just a good versus evil story, but what separates it is the characters. is the execution. These We have built up Age of Ultron for quite a while now. Ever since Iron Man, we have built this up. There's this sense of build-up. It's like waiting for your next comic. You're waiting for the next issue of Iron Man. And when you finally have it, you're excited and you want to read it and you Want to enjoy it, and I know that some that some comic films are not going to be as timeless as Casablanca. But I believe that if you think that film lovers go to film festivals, book lovers go to book sales. Comic Con is made for comic book film and book lovers. Comic book, comic books have been around for, for a long time. And what makes it even better is that these, th- these characters are still alive today. Superman has been going on for a long time. And I understand that they may not be as timeless as Casablanca, but there's an audience for it. And there's an audience for films like Casablanca and Citizen Kane. There was an audience for that. But there's also an audience for comic books. Now, we may disagree with whether we think it's art, but I believe that they transcend through time. And I believe that Iron Man and Captain America are going to live on as much as Articus from To Kill a Mockingbird. But that's just my opinion, and I'm okay with your opinion. And I think, and by the way, guys, this debate was all friendly. We're still friends by the end. Please, guys, go jump to your own conclusion, whether you believe comic book films or or not. Either way, the movie industry is still thriving. And I believe there are still artistic films out there, and there's still artistic films like comic books out there but (laughs) i thank you very much for your wonderful debate you are an intellectual very articulate guy and i was proud to be in a debate with you thank you very much sir oh
8: man i enjoyed it so much you put up a great fight this was great
1: I try my best. So thank you guys. Hopefully you guys liked us and hopefully you see more debates. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To see our latest DVD releases and movie reviews, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Also check out our wonderful blogs and Huffington Post. We are brought to you by the Coalition of Children's Media. We believe that smart kids make smart consumers. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you for listening.